For a long time, humans have been struck by the drama of lightning. We've told all kinds of stories about what it is, where it comes from, and who controls it. I mean, you've got Thor, the Norse thunder god who channels electricity through his hammer, and Indra, the ancient Hindu king of the gods, with a spear of lightning. There's Zeus, Greek lightning icon from Mount Olympus, and then in Boston, Massachusetts, there's Janine Madrid. I get recognized occasionally on the street, not often, um, but yes, I've been like Logan Airport one time going through security, the TSA agent was like, I know you, why do I know you? In her own words, Janine is an educator at the Boston Museum of Science, but to that TSA agent and probably anyone who's witnessed her in action, she's kind of a real-life lightning god. But her thunderbolt is this massive machine called the Van de Graaff Generator. Actually, it's the largest of its kind in the whole world. And for decades, she and her team have been using it to bring lightning to the people, electrifying museum-goers in a very much figurative way. I'm Abby Peralt, and this is Atlas Obscura, a daily celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we're stepping inside of the theater of electricity. We're going to talk to Janine about what this contraption even is and what it's like to be the Zeus of Massachusetts. But, like, a way more responsible Zeus. That's after this. When was the last time I took a road trip? How many national parks could I hit in two weeks? What about hotels? Wait, hey Erica, how much am I spending on travel? When your questions about life turn into questions about money, there's Erica, the virtual financial assistant to help you spend, save, and plan smarter. Only from Bank of America. What would you like the power to do? Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Your chat may be recorded and monitored for quality assurance. Message and data rates and additional terms may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself. You might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. It's early December, and I'm heading into the Museum of Science. Do, 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 revolving door. Hello. Good, how are you It's doing? not my first time at the museum. I actually spent a summer interning here, working on an exhibit called The Smell Bar. I was officially the smell intern. 
every day, I'd help push this rolling cart out onto the floor with a larger-than-life model of the inside ceiling of the nose and all of its receptors. And we had these plastic vessels holding different samples of, of different smells. Those almost always ended up deep inside some kid's nostril. But from behind that model of a nose, I was kind of awestruck by the theater of electricity with its towering Van de Graaff generator spitting lightning bolts. And what I really admired were the people who operated it so gracefully, the educators who run the museum's lightning show. Hi, Janine. Good morning. It's Hi, nice Debbie. to meet you. Nice to meet you this is Janine Madrid. She's been an educator at the museum for 23 years and knows the theater of electricity inside and out. So yeah, it does kind of look coppery when you look at it. Um, and that's the lighting on the floor. But yes, there wood. We can go over and knock on it if you want. <laughs> we meet down at the bottom of the theater, at the foot of the stage. In the background, a video on electricity that was narrated by Janine back in 2004 is playing. A couple of kids and their parents are walking around, noodling on some of the smaller interactive exhibits. But at the center of this universe and towering over us is the Van de Graaff generator. So when you walk into the space, it dominates the room. Um, it's the first thing everyone notices. It's two 22-foot columns with two 15-foot aluminum spheres on top. Um, so it looks very sci-fi. You might have seen a smaller version of the Van de Graaff in a classroom. Your teacher maybe did the thing where they put their hand on top of the dome and it made their hair stand up. What it really is good at is separating electric charges. In the case of the fun teacher hair phenomenon, separated charges are passing through the teacher, causing each strand of similarly charged hair to repel. But this Van de Graaff, here in the Museum of Science, is plugged into a power source and scaled way, way up with these conveyor belts bringing charges from the basement three stories up to the top of the spheres. As those charges build up, we're building up so much, it breaks down the insulating capacity of the air, which means those charges jump through the air, and as they jump through the air, they're heating up the air to almost 50,000 degrees, so we see this bright light. And at that same time, um, that heating of the air expands the air, pushes it out, and we cause vibrations, and that's the sound we hear, the thunder. This generator has been simulating lightning storms here for over 70 years. But it wasn't originally made for the museum life. Enter Robert Van de Graaff, the generator's namesake, designer, and professor at MIT. He'd built some smaller generators, but needed a bigger one to power his research. He built it as a research tool. What he was looking to do was to accelerate um, electric particles to a very high, you know, almost the speed of light and smash them into things. It was very basic research. It was like very fundamental. What's inside of an atom? Where it's at? How do those pieces interact with one another? When Van de Graaff eventually retired, he couldn't exactly just pack up the generator in a cardboard box and bring it home with him. And MIT really just didn't have a place to continue to house it. Um, so Dr. Van de Graaff offered it to the Museum of Science. And 
obviously. The museum said yes. To get it here, they took it all apart. Um, they put it on flatbed trucks, so the, the columns that are wood, they laid on, they're on the side. The, the domes they put next to them. But the museum also didn't really have a place to house it. Where the Van de Graaff ended up was the parking lot. And how, how long was it hanging out in the parking lot for? So they built a temporary building around it, sort of like a metal hanger-looking thing. And then they built a more permanent temporary building that was brick. Um, so the theater opened in 1980. So 30 years between when Van de Graaff arrived at the museum to when the theater it's now in opened. But Janine says the hardest part wasn't moving it. It was transforming it from an extremely high-voltage research tool into an extremely high-voltage educational one, meant to be shared with the public. How do you keep an audience safe? How do you keep the demonstrators safe? Um, What can go wrong? The museum started putting a bunch of safety protocols in place. Perimeter wires to catch errant lightning, barriers to keep audience members at a safe distance, and fire extinguishers throughout the space. And they started a pretty intense training program for all educators who run the show. Janine says anyone working with Lightning doesn't do so until they've gotten at least a year under their belt at the museum, cutting their teeth on other lower-stake stages first. This level of training is important because the proximity museum educators experience with Lightning during the show is something that very few living people get to have. This kind of intimacy with Lightning has probably been reserved for the gods for so long because if you are a mortal who hasn't trained with the Museum of Science, it could kill you. What happens during the show is, at one point, an educator will step inside of what looks like a human-sized birdcage made entirely of metal. That cage gets lifted up toward the Van de Graaff generator and struck by lightning. Now, it seems counterintuitive that being surrounded by a giant conductor would protect you, but what happens is when the lightning bolts hit the metal, it turns the metal of the cage into a giant magnet for a moment. So the magnetic force and the electric force work together, and the way they work together in this case is they push against each other and push the electric charges to the outside surface of the metal. So all those charges are on the outside only, the person stays on the inside only, and you're safe. But even for educators who know that they're safe, being lifted 30 feet in the air and coming face-to-face with lightning is a pretty wild experience. I'm curious what lightning looks like (laughs) up close and sounds like, and I guess because my former role here was the smell intern. I have to ask yes. what it smells like. Yeah. Oh, you were the smell intern. Okay. No, I remember the smell bar. So we're very close to uh, the top of the machine. And the lightning, when it does strike the cage, is right there. It's right by your face. Um, it is bright. It is loud. It's a little disorientating at first. What we smell is not so much. Um, 
the lightning, when it goes through the air, is breaking apart oxygen molecules. And so we have free oxygen roaming around and it combines with an O2. So we make O3, which is ozone. So you do sometimes get a whiff of ozone in the space. Some people with better noses than others will ask after the show, is that ozone I'm smelling? Wow. What is that clean, what is that clean smell? Um, and and ozone. Yeah, a lot of people describe it as a clean smell. And I don't know if that's because after a big lightning storm outside, you kind of get that smell too. And it feels, it often has just rained. Uh-huh. Right? So I think people just associate that with like, ooh, a storm just came through and everything seems clean and wonderful. But the Van de Graaff isn't all fresh rain and cleanliness. It has a dirty secret. The Van de Graaff, because it separates electric charge, it pulls dust towards it. Oh. So the theater is dusty all of the time. As much as we sweep, as much as we clean, there's always dust. We actually have a Roomba that runs through the space, so we don't have to sweep all the time. But still, every once in a while, we just have to get in there and sweep. So Mount Olympus might have been a little dusty. To me, Janine and the team of educators running these daily shows are thunder gods. But to Janine, this is really just teaching. Um, I'd always thought of myself as an educator, and this is just a different way of educating. My classroom is the Museum of Science, and the learners are whoever walks through the door. To be able to uh, have people experience science throughout their lives as, as lifelong learners is really exciting to me. After Janine and I wrapped up, I sat down in the bleachers overlooking the stage. My recorder was on, and my nose was at the ready to pick up on that whiff of ozone. I settled in next to a couple of excited-looking kids. And then the lights were dimmed, and the show began. If you're in Boston, go visit the team of educators working at the Theater of Electricity and see the show for yourself. There's usually at least one happening every day, but be sure to check the schedule online before you go. A huge thank you to Janine Madrid for taking the time to talk and show me around the theater, and to the Museum of Science for letting me sit in on yet another incredible lightning show. And I want to point out that the Museum of Science has a podcast, too. It's called Pulsar. It features educators and experts from across the museum speaking to different questions like, what actually happens if you stick your finger in a Venus flytrap? We've linked to it in the show notes. I really encourage you to check it out. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. The production team includes Dylan Theris, Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder Arnold, Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, Baudelaire Seuss, Gianna Palmer, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore, 
Peter Clowney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was sound designed and mixed by Luce Fleming. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Abby Peralt. Thanks for joining me. Witness Docs from Stitcher. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure that you're always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.